0: is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark.
1: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Firemark, and this is the show where I bring information about how lawyers use the power of podcasting to support and develop their businesses, even when they're not podcasting directly about the law. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. My guest today is Laura McClellan. Laura practices law in the Dallas office of K&L Gates LLP. That's a large international law firm. She concentrates her practice on commercial real estate and real estate finance, representing uh, commercial clients in purchase and sale, leasing, and lending transactions involving retail, office, multifamily, and senior housing properties in Texas and around the US. Laura has been married for over 37 years to the same man. She says she was a child bride, and I believe it. She's a mom to five and a grandmother to seven. And uh, after hours, she hosts a show called The Productive Woman. It's a weekly podcast about productivity for busy women and facilitates paid mastermind groups for women seeking accountability and encouragement in achieving their goals and making a life that matters. And during her, quote, spare time, (laughs) close quote, Laura is polishing her fur novel, uh, a winner that in several fiction contests. That's fascinating, Laura. Uh, thanks for being with us.
0: Well, thanks for having me, Gordon. I'm delighted to be here.
1: Thank you. So, so your show is called The Productive Women. Tell us a little more about the format and structure of the show.
0: Well it's a I generally shoot for about 30 minutes. It's a weekly show. Uh, most of the time it's solo. It's just me uh-huh. and I try to have a guest about every third or fourth episode who's uh-huh. a, a busy woman who's willing to share how she gets her stuff done and how she manages life in the 21st century. So
1: Cool. Uh, so you do a solo show almost every week as you said. How where do you get the ideas and the you know, the topics for a show like that?
0: Well, when I first started, uh, I would just, I just would brainstorm ideas based on things I'd read or things I'd heard. Now I've been at it for a couple of years and I get a lot of great ideas from my listeners and from the women in the mastermind groups that I, that Mm -hmm, I do mm -hmm. and uh, the Facebook group. So
1: Okay. So, so leveraging things in your life.
0: Yeah, Well, you kind of have to, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's interesting. Cause like I said, I've been doing this a little over two years mm-hmm. and, When I started, I wondered if I'd, you know, have enough things to talk about to keep it going. Uh, But A, I do. And B, my listeners and the community, really, the conversations always spark ideas of things to talk about.
1: And that's really the key is listening to your audience and addressing the things that they are challenged by if you're offering solutions or just even discussing the challenges. Yeah
0: yeah absolutely. And I think that would be true for a- any kind of podcast, and certainly if it's a lawyer who's podcasting about things that are relevant to his or her listener, yeah. um, they're going to the, her, her, her uh, his or her clients are going mm-hmm. to tell, tell them what they want to know about.
1: Sure. Sure. So you say you started up about two years ago. I I I listened to your episode 100. You're, you're about 112, 113 episodes in now. Yeah. And I listened to your episode 100 where you turned the tables on yourself and you had, uh, uh, a colleague, uh, Natalie Eckdahl, uh, who is a, uh, podcaster herself. She interviewed you. And so I, I learned a lot about you from that. Tell us a little bit about, um, how you got started with the show and, um, And some of the challenges along the way.
0: Yeah. Well, the biggest challenge, honestly, was just getting started because uh, I had thought about it for quite some time. And actually took a course, I don't, you know, if you know who Cliff Ravenscraft is. The podcast, the podcast answer man. <laughs> yes, the podcast answer man. I took his, he does a 30-day online course that uh, that's really phenomenal. I yeah. think a, a great place for people to start. The, the information he gives and the support and encouragement he gives mm-hmm. are just without peer. But he, so I took that course in December of uh, whatever year that was and was all, you know, planning to launch the thing in January. Uh, and then I spent the next almost six months stalling because I, you know, I was worried about whether people would think my idea was dumb and, you know, who is this person to be talking about these productivity things. But ultimately I, um, through some encouragement from cliff actually Mm -hmm. i just did it you know i have all the gear i'm married to a musician so i raided his gear closet (laughs) and i've got great gear to work with i had you know all the resources i needed to do it but it was sort of a confidence thing but i finally launched it with a little short episode i recorded in my closet and (laughs) uh, and uh, promised i'd be back the next week with a better you know quality audio and uh, you know been doing mm. it pretty much every week since then well, that's amazing
1: so what was what was your impetus what was it that led you to want to to even think about podcasting were you a listener a long-time listener before you got started or
0: i had been listening for a while i discovered podcasts through a kind of a, a roundabout way hmm. i was a i, I followed a blog I read a, a lot of blogs, but I followed the blog of Michael Hyatt. Mm-hmm. If you know who he is, sure, sure. he he writes about, teaches about leadership and and productivity kinds mm-hmm. of things. And um, I, he mentioned in his blog, and this was again, this was probably three years ago, that he was going to launch a podcast and uh, put a link in it. And I thought, podcast, what's that? So because I liked his blog, I checked out his podcast and I started listening to that um when i you know when i run or something i'd listen to it on my phone and from him i learned about uh, cliff ravenscraft and eric fisher and some other podcasts that i started finding and listening to and just listening to them as i think i i would think i i would like to do that i in my case i wanted to do something that was not related to the practice of law because as you know that can be uh, all consuming when it comes to your time and energy and attention. And I wanted to do something a little different. And so, as I thought about doing a podcast, I thought, well, what would I talk about? Well, I've been a productivity nerd since I was in middle school, which is <laughs> kind of embarrassing to admit, but it's true. And I, you know, because of all the reading and study I've done and the testing different systems and things, um, you know, over the years, people at at the office, people in just in my personal life would come and ask me questions mm-hmm. about productivity related things. So it was kind of a natural, uh, topic for me to gravitate to when I decided to launch my own.
1: Sure. So you, you said that, you know, it, it's not the, it's not a directly linked to your law practice, um, uh, the, the show, but have you found that it's got a connection somehow that it, that it supports your practice or makes you a better lawyer? What do you,
0: well, it's, I think there the connection is sort of indirect. First of all, when it comes out, when, when clients, some of my clients, particularly the women clients that mm-hmm. I work with find out about it, they find it very interesting and mm-hmm. it gives us something to talk about. And I, you know, some of them have subscribed to the show mm-hmm. and have talked to me about it. Um, so there's that connection that it gives a uh, client sort of a different view of me as a human being. Yeah. Um, and it makes me a better lawyer in the sense of uh, it, I have to be, um, I, I use the skills that I use as a lawyer to do it in terms of being organized and thinking and communicating mm-hmm. and all those things that I have to be able to do as a transactional lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've, they kind of overlap and, and they're applied to how I put the podcast together and vice versa. So. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. so did you have any concerns when starting up the show about because you're a lawyer specifically ethics or or image kinds of things or
0: well, I certainly had to think about it. I mean, we do. We have uh, obligations under the ethics rules, wh- whatever jurisdiction we're in. We have to comply with those. And so it's it's on my mind when I put the show together to um, be sure that I'm not, you know, can't be perceived as giving legal yeah. advice and so so there's the ethical part of it there is also the image part of it and i it was a factor when i thought about what i was going to podcast about i didn't at that point want to do a i'm a i'm a real estate lawyer by day and i just didn't want to do a podcast about real estate law <laughs> Because I was more worried, actually, about the ethical issues if I did that as Uh opposed to this. But I always want to make sure that what I'm doing uh, with The Productive Woman is of a quality that I wouldn't be uh, embarrassed to have a client listen to it.
1: Have you ever interviewed any of your clients for your show?
0: I'm trying to think. I don't think I have yet. I've interviewed... Uh, at least one of my colleagues, or former uh-huh. colleagues, from the firm that I was at before, and she has since l- is is about to launch a podcast actually, huh. which I thought was interesting. Oh, but interesting. not yet. I may well do it. I only do because I only have a guest about once a month. Mm-hmm. They're they're. Um, you know there's a limit to how many well, i can sure. interview but mm-hmm. there are i have a couple clients that are kind of on my list to to tap for an in- interview at some point what
1: about the flip side of that have any of your interview subjects come to you as a lawyer
0: uh, they've certainly come and asked me questions sure. uh, i they haven't uh, none of the people i've interviewed so far are in the industry that would hire me as a real estate lawyer right sure But they've come to me for advice and and recommended me to people. So,
1: okay, let's talk a little bit about the tech. Well, first of all, let's yeah, let's talk about the tech. So you mentioned your husband's he's a he's a musician. And um, and so are you yourself a technically minded person or uh, or did you rely on help for getting gear set up and things like that?
0: Well, I'm kind of a tech nerd mm-hmm. um, and I've had experience with the kind of gear that we use for podcasting or, or some of it because I used to sing and so oh, I right. perform. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with a microphone and I've run sound before. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I know my way. I, I wouldn't consider myself an expert by any stretch, but I know yeah. my way around a, a mixer and okay. that sort of thing.
1: So you rated your husband's uh, gear closet, as you said. W- tell me a little bit about what you're using. The, the, what's the gear look like?
0: Uh, well, I'm using a Shure SM7B microphone. Nice. On a, yeah, <laughs> which that that's one of the things I rated from him. I started out with something else he gave me and he decided he didn't, he he thought he could improve the sound quality or the, the timbre of my voice as mm-hmm. it recorded with a different microphone. So okay. he got this, he he uses me, used me as an excuse to buy this. Oh. So, um, and then it's, so it's on a Heil boom stand. Mm-hmm. It runs through a Mackie mixer and uh, into a, one of the Roland uh, R05 external digital recorders. Right. Oh okay, um, I've got a couple of other effects devices uh, a, a limiter compressor limiter sure. gate and mm-hmm. some things like that that Mike set up those I'm not as familiar with, so uh they we added those to the kind of the setup when i was having certain specific issues and these were his resolution for those
1: that's great and great that he had that stuff available and the know-how to do it It, that is sort of higher level stuff that um, you know makes for a very your your podcast has fantastic sound
0: yeah and uh, and i mean totally unnecessary to start a podcast people can absolutely start a podcast without all this stuff but A, I, you know, I had it available to me and B, it's, it's kind of a cool thing for my husband to be able to contribute to this. Although I have to confess, he doesn't get podcasts. He's not, (laughs) he's a, a, he's a great musician, but he's not one who likes to sit and listen to people talk. So he doesn't get why I want, want to do this or why people, you know, want to sit and listen to podcasts, but he's my biggest cheerleader and my biggest fan. And so he likes to be able to help out by, you know. Solving well, sound issues well, for me.
1: Folks that are that into music probably prefer to listen to music, don't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: or create music. Or, is yeah, actually, exactly. More likely.
1: <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your workflow. When you when you how do you select? Well, you, we talked about a little bit how you select your topics. What do you do to prep for the show?
0: Well, I had because my time is. Limited that I can spend on the show, mm-hmm. I have to be pr- as efficient as possible because I've got a full time law practice and a family and all this other stuff. And so I try to plan ahead or I, I capture ideas for topics as they come in. I have a list in Evernote that mm-hmm. I add things to, whether I think of them or somebody suggests them. And then I sit down about once a quarter and look ahead to the episodes I'm going to do and kind of decide which topics you know I think I'm going to do for each week uh, of that quarter, which ones, what guests I'm going to talk to, mm-hmm. what topics I'm going to cover. And then, because right now I have somebody who does the editing for me, I have to kind of record ahead. And so, for instance, uh, the episode that I'm going to pu- publish two weeks from now has to be in Dropbox by Sunday night. Of this okay. week. And so uh, a week or two ago I had picked, I mean, I already knew what topic I was going to talk about. So I'm collecting ideas. Mm-hmm. I, I create an outline in Google docs mm-hmm. and um, kind of start plugging in my ideas as I think of them. To get my outline in place, I don't have a lot of time to record and then re-record and then re-record. Yeah. So I've got to kind of get it in one take as best I can. Mm-hmm. So I get my outline together, and I try to get two or three episodes recorded at a time, but it doesn't always happen. Matching it a little bit, yeah, yeah. But this, this so this week, uh, this weekend, probably tomorrow, mm-hmm. I will finish up the outline and then I'll sit down and record the episode and. Okay. Um, it's just, you know, pull up the, pull up the outline on my screen and turn on the microphone and, mm-hmm. and record it and then send the file off to the folks that are gonna, um,
1: and your format is 30 to f- 32, 60 minutes, somewhere in that range most of the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I try to stay under 45 minutes, mm-hmm. but, and when I first started, I really tried hard to stick to 30 minutes cause it, just in my head, that's long enough to you know do a workout or a run or or a commute Mm. or something Um, but
1: it's sort of interesting how we superimpose our own listening habits onto the format we choose for our show i started out my first show um i started when i had a commute of about an hour so it was an hour long show
0: sure yeah Uh, that's very much it. I mean, when you whatever it is you like to listen to mm-hmm. in terms of length or whatever, you that you kind of gravitate toward that.
1: Yeah, well maybe we need to go back to that listen to our audience and find out what they want a little bit. Yeah. But um but uh, that's cool. So, when you're recording, do you do you, you you say you sort of do one take? You don't stop and pause in the middle and and have an assembly project for the editor?
0: Uh, usually I don't. Okay. Now, when I have a guest, of course, there are pieces for the editor to assemble mm-hmm. because I record the introduction and the closing separately. Yeah. And and then just record the interview. But mm-hmm. for my solo episodes, I, there've been a few times that you know I get a couple minutes into it and I think, oh, I, that I don't like. If I'm only two, three, four minutes into it, I may stop and yeah. start over if I mess something up. But for the most part, I just try to keep going. And uh, if if there's a glitch somewhere where I have to re say something, mm-hmm. then I point that out to the editors when I send mm-hmm. it to
1: you just make a note of the time on the recording yeah, display yeah. yeah okay that's yeah. pretty good
0: i um, try to make it easy for him but, but partly because a re- i've only had somebody editing my episodes for about a month before oh. that i did it myself
1: mm-hmm. well so you knew how to make it easy for yourself
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and that's just it i don't have didn't have a ton of time to mm-hmm. to edit and uh, so i tried to organize my mm-hmm. thoughts well enough ahead of time that i could keep going i have the advantage that my show is uh, intended to be not um, not you know like NPR radio perfect, yeah. but a, a conversational approach. So if I flub a word or something mm-hmm. like that, I I'm not real concerned about editing that out unless it's just really t- really bad. Wow. I try to make it you know I the approach is supposed to be pretty authentic and mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know, two women sitting across the table yeah. from each other at Starbucks. Yeah.
1: No, that's great. So you use this, uh, outsourced post-production helper. <laughs> yes. What does that person do? Uh, adjust the editing or do they also do the show notes and the posting and getting it online for you and all that?
0: They do. Uh, I think they would do the posting, but I, I'm, um, uh, a little mm, neurotic, I guess okay. you could say. Mm-hmm. And I, I want the last look at everything and so they do the editing and you know converting it to mp3 yeah. and uh, preliminary tagging and then uh-huh. they do f- the first cut of the show notes and oh. then i edit them more into my own voice in the format that and, i like
1: and what service are you using or who are, who are you using for
0: that oh i knew you were going to ask me that hang on a second i um <laughs> my mind is blanking on um and i just got something mm-hmm. from them from
1: well, you know, we we don't have to linger on this. I'll put it in the show notes. You'll tell me after we finish recording, so we can keep talking, and um, and we'll go there. But but you finding that it's helpful?
0: Podfly. Oh yeah, I know. It's the guys, guys at Podfly. Okay,
1: that's very cool. Now
0: they're, they're a great job.
1: How did you track them down? How did you go about? It?
0: um, Natalie recommended oh. them, mm-hmm. and in in. Up until that time, and it's only been a month or so, before that, I did the my own editing of the solo episodes and my episodes that I had a guest on, I would send to John Buchanus mm. and he would edit those for oh, me. Okay. And now, I'd make back to them, him again.
1: Now, I recall that you were, your show is part of uh, a network. Is that right? Yes. Okay. T- talk about that a little bit. It's Daniel J. Lewis's.
0: Yes, it's the Noodle Mix Network that's um, run by Daniel J. Lewis. And we, that was just a complete fluke. I launched, so I launched in July of 2014, I think. Mm -hmm. That would be two years ago. Mm -hmm. And later that month, I went to the very first uh, podcast movement conference Mm -hmm. here that was here in Dallas. And I met Daniel at that conference and we chatted a little bit. Mm -hmm. And he invited me to join the network mm-hmm. and being a, a, again, a neurotic lawyer, <laughs> I had to think about it for a while and kind of weigh the pros and cons. Um, but ultimately took him up on the offer and I'm really glad I did. It's what, been a great experience.
1: What does that do for you? What does being in the network get you?
0: Well, it does a couple of things. It, it gives me sort of a built in community to be part of mm-hmm. because podcasting can be a pretty isolated, uh, process Mm -hmm. if you're just doing it by yourself and so he has a slack community Mm -hmm. set up that we can ask questions and you know do different things there's some cross promotion that happens Mm -hmm. amongst the podcasts, but in my case what one of the main things it gives me is um, daniel's support he moved i launched the podcast as kind of a a page or whatever Uh of my separate website that had nothing to do with law or productivity—it uh, okay. <laughs> was just my own website. He moved it over into the onto the Noodle Mix server, uh-huh. created a page for it, and so I have his—I have access to him both for kind of help with the back end of the website part of it, uh-huh. uh, but also just any technical questions that I have, and then also um, shared efforts for finding sponsors and uh-huh. things like that.
1: And so. your show is monetized.
0: It has been on and off. It, it I've had various sponsors over time. Yeah, and we're working on uh, agreements for a couple of others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guess you could say it's been monetized in the sense that out out of the podcast grew this other thing that I'm doing, which is these masterminds yeah. for for women, and the, they are paid masterminds. Mm-hmm. And so women pay to be a part of a small group that I facilitate, but they provide each other with yeah, so know, ideas. Es-
1: so yeah. essentially you're sponsoring your own show.
0: Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I think that's the, one of the more common ways that, um, certainly lawyers who are doing law related podcasts, uh, do sure. things. It's the the firm or the practice is sponsoring a show for, for the audience and so on. So, that's,
0: yeah, that's yeah. great.
1: So let's, let's address that big objection. We've talked a little bit around the issue of time, how much time do you spend putting together your podcast?
0: It, you know, it varies depending on the topic because sometimes the outline just comes together real easily. Other times it's harder for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say I probably in, because of the way I do my show, I probably spend anywhere from two to five hours, um, preparing in the sense of kind of noodling on ideas and doing some research because you know we lawyers know that you can't ever say anything that you can't footnote to (laughs) some other source and so i don't i don't always i don't like to just talk about my opinions i always Mm -hmm. go look for what other people have said about it and uh, and so the the outlining the um research those pieces mm-hmm. pieces of it anywhere from two to six hours over the course of however long i i spend putting an episode together the recording is the quick part mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when i was you know it, it seldom takes more than an hour to get it recorded mm-hmm. and then when i was doing my own editing that would take anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour and a half depending on If I had really messed up and was in there, you know, kind of dinking around, Mm -hmm. I just use garage band.
1: Yeah, sure. So so that's, uh, you know, an hour or two a night or something like that in in the scheme of things. And and, uh, that's time you wouldn't otherwise be spending lawyering anyway. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, no, it's and, and there's the other piece of it is that you you have to add time on if you're trying to grow an audience Mm -hmm. um, to network with other podcasters or other people in your space and interact with listeners, maybe create, uh, in my case, having a Facebook group has just been really a phenomenal way of of interacting with my listeners. Mm -hmm. And, Responding to emails that come in and those sorts of sure. things, so you kind of tax some of that time on. But it's it, in my case, it happens evenings and weekends. Mm-hmm.
1: Is your firm av- aware of what you're doing and supportive of it, or do they care, or what's the?
0: Well. It's not. I haven't like reported it to my the managing partner of the Dallas office. Uh-huh. Keep in mind that K&L Gates is a two thousand lawyer yeah, firm sure. with offices around the world, and so I would venture to say that the you know the firm's managing partner has no idea right. uh, what I'm doing. Uh, various people in the office. It comes up sometimes, uh-huh. and. Uh, they all find it very intriguing Hmm. and interesting and some of them have asked me for you know said i'm gonna i'm gonna subscribe Mm -hmm. so it's not an official you know it's it's just like anything else that other people do for their some people uh play a sport or do something else i've got a podcast
1: okay yeah are are you a productivity guru in the office as well or uh, do people tune into that part of your life
0: Well, people, I don't know if I'd call myself a guru, but yeah, people do come in and ask me questions, Mm -hmm. partly because they walk into my office and I have three (laughs) 27-inch computer
1: screens (laughs) on my right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sitting in my cockpit and they kind of want to know why I'm doing that. and Ah. It kind of goes from there.
1: Got it, got it. And are you a Mac or a PC person?
0: Well, I'm a Mac girl mm-hmm. uh, wholeheartedly. Now, sadly, I have to use a Windows-based PC at the office, oh, okay. and I at least once a week threaten to throw it out the window and jump out after it. <laughs> if if I, but I usually have my MacBook sitting on the desk next to it, so when I really need to get something done, I, yeah, I, I turn there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, let's talk about favorite moment. You've been doing 112, 113 episodes in the can. Um, what's your favorite moment from all those podcast experiences?
0: Oh my goodness. I don't know if I could pick one. I, the, the moments usually aren't when I'm recording, although I've had some just really great conversations with the women who've been my guests, but mm. the moments that stick in my mind are the emails that I get from listeners in my case, just literally all over the world. And mm. some of them have become friends and, and guests on the show. Uh, but when I get an email from someone who, who says, I found your podcast and it's, uh, I, I was drowning and you're, you've helped me, you know, drowning and, you know, too much to do or whatever. that something that I've said on the podcast made a difference in their life. Hmm. I, you just can't beat that.
1: That is very rewarding. Yeah. What about the nightmare moment? Has that happened for you?
0: Uh, it happens. Well the very first guest i ever interviewed we we were going to be at a conference she was an author that i really respect and we were going to be at a writing conference mm-hmm. together and i she agreed to be a guest on the show so i took my roland and set it up and you know we we met somewhere in the in the hotel kind of quiet and recorded it and then i got home and discovered that i had hit the wrong button on something and lost half of of oh. it that was a nightmare that was um I was just horrified and we ended up, you know, having to re-record later. And she was very gracious about it, but I was just mortified. <laughs> and it. It, so there's that. And uh, very, you know, it, it happens pretty regularly that I think I can't do this anymore. I am tired. I got, you know, a day job that mm-hmm. goes into the nights and weekends and it's a challenge. But then I get one of those emails, you know, and yeah. I think, all right, I can do this some more. <laughs>
1: So would you recommend podcasting to other lawyers, friends, colleagues, and so on?
0: I, I I would. I think it's it's a interesting thing to do. It's um I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to who want to podcast about their practice area, certainly to develop some credibility and widen their neck network and probably, you know, get some clients because of it. For me the, the be- one of the best parts of podcasting aside from the interaction with my listeners is the the podcasting community it's mm-hmm. just such a great bunch of people very welcoming and and supportive and encouraging and people that you would think would be your um your competition are all all over helping you get started and, and keep going. But I think it's a great way to, it forces you to really organize your thoughts and, and uh, be, to be able to communicate it clearly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think it's a great thing to do, okay. but you got to know why you're doing it and, you know, be prepared to spend the time to do it well.
1: What advice would you offer someone who's just starting in podcasting?
0: Well, my first advice would be just start. Just, <laughs> you know, just do it. Um, yeah. And you can always improve as you go along, but just start where you are. Uh, but the, the second one would be know why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Have, have a, a purpose in mind for it. If it's just for fun, uh, you know, I didn't start this to make money out of it. As it turns out, I'm making some money. Um, it's not something you do in most cases to get rich, But really understand why you're doing it and what you hope to accomplish with it so that you – because it's your why that keeps you going when you're tired and need to – record an episode would rather go watch tv
1: absolutely laura mcclellan this has been a really terrific interview i know i've learned a lot deal a a lot a great deal (laughs) and i'm sure your listeners have too um uh, i'm very grateful to you so thank you for joining how can listeners find you and learn more about your show your pod your coaching all those kinds of things
0: Oh, the easiest way would be to just go to the website that's at com, and there are links there to, you know, send me a message to find out where I am on social media and, uh, you know, even some information about what I do during the day <laughs> at Can l Gates. But um, that, that's probably the easiest way to find me.
1: That's theproductivewoman.com. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks also to our listeners. Uh, Please do uh, take a moment and send us comments and suggestions. Our website is at lawpodcaster.com. And if you'd be so kind to give us a review on the iTunes store, that would also be very, very welcome. And that's just going to wrap it up for this episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. If you are interested in podcasting for your practice or just for fun, the Power Podcasting for Lawyers course is available at lawpodcasting.com. And we'll send you a free podcasting resource guide and more information. Till next time, keep on podcasting.